In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to an episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. All right, talking about something today that's going to make some people, including myself, a little uncomfortable is talking about how we accept criticism or accept feedback. And this is, I think, a very valuable skill. I know, Nicole, you're going to talk about this as a practitioner in dealing with your patients. It's a valuable skill as an employee. It's a valuable skill as an employer. So wherever you are at your stage of career or business, this is a very important thing to be talking about. And I think it's something that's overlooked, but it's a way that a lot of times you can, it really can change the dynamic of a relationship with how you respond to feedback, whether that's great, and we'll have some examples of that, or if it's poorly. And so we're going to dive all into that. We do have one announcement. If you guys are listening to this SOD on the day that it drops, we are doing that free business webinar on six ways that you are losing patients. That is going to be on Tuesday, the 10th of May at 5.30 p.m. If you haven't registered yet, make sure to do that. That is going to be fun. There's been a ton of you guys already. I'm really excited to get in and talk about that. So, Nicole, talk to me about feedback. This is not something I'm great at either. So give us the spiel. Yeah. And, you know, I think I've gotten better at it over the years, but it's interesting to think about why. Many of you guys know that I, for a very long time, and I've taken a couple of years off now, but for a very long time, like 10, 12 years, I was a NCAA women's basketball referee, got up to the collegiate level, up to Division Two, And in that, we do extensive training with the division one basketball officials with NBA officials, both on the women's side and the men's side. And there's a big culture in the referee world of this thing called you better not be a yeah butter. And what this really means is that you better take feedback really, really well, because the people that are giving it to you are legitimately experts in their craft and they're just trying to help you. And we have so many examples of this during camp when somebody is telling you that you got a call wrong or you weren't standing in the right spot or whatever. And immediately, without fail, when we're in the little huddle afterwards and we're going over what happened, there's always the type of person that will end up being a yeah, butter. Well, yeah, but I did it because of this. Well, yeah, but I heard in the lecture that we were supposed to be doing it this way. And what that really ends up being is number one, really effing annoying to everyone around and to the person that's giving the feedback. But what it ends up being is an example of you are getting defensive and really not listening to what the feedback actually is. And it's hard and it's human nature to hear about something you're either not doing right or wrong. But like, there's a lot to be said about just being quiet (laughs) 
and listening. And in the referee world, like I said, it is a very, if you get deemed as a yeah, butter, you like don't get hired. You don't get games. You're not in the conferences. And that's, I love that point that you're making there, Nicole, about the the challenges, because that's what we want to do, right? We feel personally attacked. We feel defensive. And the natural inclination is to say, well, that feedback is not correct. And there's so many different examples of this. Just a couple. We just had one in our mentorship group the other day where someone sent out an anonymous survey to patients and got something back that wasn't entirely positive. And that's the whole point of sending out the anonymous survey. So you would think it'd be cool. Great. We got this feedback. Now there's something we can do about it. And instead, what's the natural reaction? Well, that lady's just bitter because she got charged a late cancellation fee and she is a kind of a pain of a patient anyway. And she's frankly, she's kind of a bitch. And all of that is just a way of trying to get around and not actually listen to and accept the somewhat valid feedback there. And so that's the first thing when, when that happens, it's this take a step back, not say anything, actually listen because there is almost always at least a kernel of truth and usually a whole damn ear of corn in the truth, <laughs> especially if you find yourself feeling that kind of way and getting defensive about it. it. One of the reasons you can say it's like, hey, it's touching a nerve because there probably is some truth in that. Yeah. And I think that if we can, it, and it's really hard, you guys, I'm not saying that like I'm perfect at this, but if we can take the emotion out of, or at least even realize that we're getting emotional during our response or perceived response, then we can be able to pause and actually deconstruct the feedback for what it is and use that. And there's been a couple of great examples that we have. I think this is a really important skill to have as an employee because this helps you have great communication with your boss or manager. And we've had a couple of examples of this. We've gotten better at this as business owners. And I think our employees have gotten better at this as we talk about it and train But a couple of examples of people who have done this really well, you know, at one point at our clinic, we had a physical therapist who was having a problem with drop-offs after those first three or four visits. People were coming and they were self-discharging off the schedule. And Nicole had a great conversation with her where it was coming, hey, do you see this happening? And instead of getting defensive and clamming up and saying, no, that's not a problem. It's not my fault. It's the clinic's thing. Maybe we're charging too much. Maybe it's Carrie at the front desk is doing something wrong. She just was super honest and was like, yeah, I've seen that happening and I don't really know how to fix it. And then we're like, yes, now we're past the emotional part of you're actually kind of not doing a great job right now to let's go to a solution. Another great example of this is when a patient comes back and says that that they're in a flare and something that you did in the session is the reason why they're in this massive flare and you hurt them. That is a really good example too of a time when we can immediately go like, well, couldn't have been anything that I did at my session. I didn't do anything. I barely even touched you. We didn't even hardly do any manual therapy. How could that be? You probably went to Disneyland or did something dumb after the session and now you're blaming me, right? So that's another good example of if we can just ask more questions, pause, and be like, is there a kernel of truth to it? Is the person flaring? The answer is yes. Could it have possibly been something related to the session, not something you personally did to them, but related to the session? Sure. Even if it's simply a combination of the session you provided and then something that happened after the session, 
Those two things can be true at the same time where it is nothing that you did and it's because it happened after the session. How much more confident and secure does it sound when you take criticism like that instead? Instead of the initial thing being, yeah, but I didn't even touch you. It couldn't have been me. What did you do? Right, which is the natural thing. Hopefully we're not saying it quite like that, but that's what people are taking from it a lot of times. As opposed to, Nicole, give me like the language of like, hey, I flared after our session. What the heck happened? Right. I would be like, okay, yikes, let's talk about it then because I'm going to pull up my notes, right? And review what we did during the session. And then let's piece together what happened the rest of the day to see if we can figure it out. Right. I'm not saying that didn't happen. I'm not saying it wasn't the session. I'm saying, let's take a look and investigate further with you and then we can, a lot of times we can draw conclusions, whether it was something that we did, whether it was a combination of stuff. And at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is fix it for next time, right? We can't change the past. So we just need to move forward and figure out, okay, well, if you went home and laid on your bed and that's why, you know, you think that it was the session and you couldn't have been anything else, right? Maybe it was because of that. Maybe we need some blood flow after the session. And maybe like what I want you to do is we're going to walk for five minutes, three times after the session and see if that makes a difference. I'm not saying to them, well, nothing that I could have done in the session would warrant this type of response or, well, you didn't do anything. And even if that stuff is true. And so that's where I feel like that conversation, you're building so much more. It comes off as so much more secure and confident. And I'll tell you this, when we've had these conversations with our employees that come off that way, like that is such a mature, confident response of, yeah, I know this is a problem. I'd really like to work with you on how to fix it. Not, well, is this really a problem? Because that one person who dropped off wasn't really my fault. And then this other person had this issue and that wasn't my fault. And even if those things are all true, how does that actually come off to us when we come in? Are we really going to be looking at all of your things and being like, you know, we really think we're having a problem with your patient retention. And you come in and say, well, this one wasn't my fault. And this one wasn't my fault. And this one wasn't my fault. And we walk away and say like, oh, that's right. She's perfect. Right. Well, and, and even if those three examples weren't your fault, the big point is missing, right? I think that the biggest thing is that the success of you taking criticism is in the response, not in the, in the later response. It's not in the immediate response. Resist the urge to fire back with something immediately. I think that's where we get ourselves and myself included into the most trouble. But if you can just take a beat it's what's the, the I think it's a Mark Twain right, line, right? It's like, well, better to be thought a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> like, just don't say the wrong thing. You can always push pause, come back and have a more measured response, something where it's not so reactive. It's not so defensive. Ask but it's, more questions, for instance. But it's almost never personal. And it's not about you as a human. It is about your behavior. And it can be about the person who's giving you feedback. It could be because that person is mad about their cancel late cancellation fee. It could be because that person is scared and frustrated because they're in a flare. And this reminds them of what their pain was like six months ago. There's always going to be that aspect of it. But at some point, we need to just be better at being quiet, listening to it, seeing where we can find that kernel of truth. And then responding in a way that doesn't come off as defensive, but actually leaves room for there to be 
a real conversation and how do we move forward from here and recognizing that it is almost never personal. So I hope that that helps you guys. We're going to keep this to a shorty today, but that's a, it is. It's a skill that you can develop and it's not something that you're born with. It is something that you can develop. So as you're in those situations this week, and you probably will, if you really think about it, we all get some form of feedback or criticism almost daily, especially you guys as practitioners. And so think about how you can respond in a way that is much more secure and is actually listening for that kernel of truth so that we can get to a deeper understanding and a better conversation. Yes. And then one more last thing I'm going to say about it to bring it back to refereeing. You know, some of when we're first learning how to do this, the advice that everyone gives is literally shut up (laughs) afterwards. It's just... You hear the criticism and you be quiet afterwards. The only thing that we're really allowed to do is ask questions for clarification. And I feel like if we think about it like that, then it will help us steer the conversation and decrease that emotion that's bubbling up that that allows us to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Yes. So I hope this helps. I hope this, this can be something that is really important in your relationship with patients, in your relationship with coworkers, in your relationship with your employer or manager. And so let us know how this goes as you try it out this week. But as always, guys, we want to keep this conversation going. Let's continue to rise.